I know that uh, most of you have read or heard about the book, The Tale of Two Cities. Well, actually, this morning I want to tell you about the tale of two trees. (laughs) One grows in the Middle East. The other one grows in the tropics. The tree that grows in the Middle East, if you look at it from the outside, it looks just like an olive tree. It actually occupies the same space as an olive tree. It absorbs the same amount of sunlight as an olive tree. It consumes about the same water and nutrients from the ground as an olive tree. But it does not produce olives. And it's called an oleaster tree. But then there's another tree that grows in the tropics. That tree is very different. This particular tree grows wide and high. Its trunk is thick, and in fact, because of its shape, it looks not only glorious, but it's beautiful because of its shade. Its branches grow wide. Then they drop to the ground. And when they drop to the ground, they produce new shoots, new trees. In other words, it it multiplies itself. And that tree is called the banyan tree. Now, I hope that throughout this message you're asking yourself the question, am I an oleaster tree or a banyan tree? Because, make no mistake about it, every church has people who are either an oleaster tree or a banyan tree. Those who are like an oleaster tree, lots of foliage, no fruit, and those who are like the banyan tree, constantly reproducing themselves. Those who are like an oleaster tree, they take all of the preaching of God's Word. They would take all of God's blessings. They take all of the ministries that they can get, and they will take, and they will take, then they're going to take some more. And all they produce is hyperactivities, foliage, no fruit. But then there is the other, those who are like the banyan tree. They are forever reproducing yourselves. You are forever uh, passing on the blessings of God. You are forever giving of yourself. You are forever serving and going and giving. You are forever spreading the godly influence, being a conduit through whom God is accomplishing His work using you and me. And as we come to the second from the last messages, from the series of messages that I'm calling, There is an I in the I Am, we find the Lord Jesus talks about Himself as a tree, and the believers are the branches. A vine is a tree, and He talks about Himself as the vine. If you would turn with me, please, to John chapter 15, when Jesus took them from the upper room and He began to tell them, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. And there He made this incredible declaration, I am the way, and we saw it's the only way, the truth and the life. And from there, as He was comforting them, the very last verse of chapter 14, He says, let's get out of here. Let's get out of this place. And so they go down 
the Kidron Valley. That whole Kidron Valley at that time, during the time of Jesus, was filled with vines. Not only that, <laughs> it was this time of the year. Because you remember, he immediately went and got arrested in Gethsemane and went to the cross. It was the springtime. Those vines have just been clipped. They've just been pruned because the harvest in September. And everywhere you walked, according to historians, you would smell smoke. They were burning these branches that they cut off. <laughs> and Jesus probably was pointing to the vineyards themselves, and he said, I am the vine, the true one. Any other one is not true. I'm the only true one. And it's in the Scripture. Israel is a vine. You find it in Psalm 80, verse 8. And you find it in Isaiah 5. You find it in Jeremiah chapter 2. You find it in Ezekiel 15, 17, 19. All indicate that Israel of old was looked upon as a vine of God's own planting. But they failed to produce fruit. You say, why? I'm going to tell you why. Listen carefully. Israel of old became inward-looking. Israel of old hogged the salvation message to themselves. So instead of being light to the nations, they got into a what I call a navel-gazing operation. They made it impossible for Gentiles to come to know the one true God and worship Him and believe in Him. Even later on when they did, they made it very difficult for them. They become so preoccupied with their little rules and little rituals and small talk and all that stuff, and they've lost vision of the big Yahweh, the great God of the universe. They made their God down to their size. And that is why Jesus said, I am the vine, the true one. I am now the true vine. Israel of old was the shadow, and when you see a shadow... You know that the person is behind the scene. But as soon as the person appears, the shadow is not important. And then you have to ask the question, what does true mean? Why is this, I'm the true vine? Simply means all the other. So that, not true. <laughs> can be only one truth, right? In fact, the word true is mentioned in the Bible in the New Testament 64 times, 16 of those in the Gospel of John. What does the word true mean? Listen carefully. It means the perfect one. It means the trustworthy one. It means the ideal one. And since Jesus is the only one true vine, and the believers are the branches, then there have to be only two kinds of branches, the fruitful and the fruitless. That's it. The difference between the two branches is like night and day. The difference between the two branches is like the difference between the oleaster tree and the bunion tree. <laughs> now, I grew up with vines. We had a major grapevine. In fact, we had a, it was a beautiful shade. And a certain time of the year, the gardener that my dad hired would come in, and he would trim these vines. He'll cut it. Snip, 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 snip. He is interested in one thing. What is it? Grapes. <laughs> He's interested in fruit. 
In fact, he would call these sucker shoots. These are sucker shoots, and they had to be snipped and, and thrown away. These sucker shoots take the water and the nutrition away from the fruitful branches. These sucker shoots suck the life out of the vine. These sucker shoots take the space that could be used for fruitful branches. In fact, in the long term, these can be very harmful unless they're snapped off. And so it's out of necessity that the vine dresser, the vine dresser, has to trim them, has to prune them. Who prunes that? Who takes the sucker shoots out? The Father, not you and me. He's the only one who does. But there's something else I really want you to not miss. (laughs) What is it? He trims the fruitful branches so that they may produce even more fruit. But I want to tell you, and you can testify, trimming and pruning is not fun. It really isn't. It is not a joy ride. <laughs> trimming out of our lives those things that don't belong to a fruitful servant of God can be very painful. Uh, cleaning and purifying our hearts and removing away the junk <laughs> that we allow to come into our life and stay in our lives. Oh, it's very painful, but it's very important. Taking away the cobwebs of sin, and the, removing the trash that seem to accumulate into our lives, scrubbing the floor of our hearts. They are all painful, but they are the best thing for us. I've been through it. Many of you have been through it. But you see, the vine dresser does it because he loves you, because he loves me. He doesn't do it because he's going to punish you. No, 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 no. It's because He loves you. I'm sure some of you are asking a question. What is that fruit that He's expecting that, that we can have, that the Father expects? Now, of course, Jesus, talking to the disciples, they were Jewish. They understood the Old Testament. They understood what the Old Testament said about fruit. And, and I'll summarize to you Isaiah 5, 7. It's complete obedience. In the New Testament, we say it, Christ-likeness. Theologians have a big word for it, sanctification. Being like Christ every day. And if you think that's easy, I need to see you at the end of message. And the natural question is, can I produce this fruit? Can I produce this fruit? Read my lips. You cannot produce it. I cannot produce it. We cannot produce it. You cannot conjure it up. You cannot manufacture it. You cannot produce the fruit of the Spirit. There's hope. Just wait. Be patient with me. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul is expounding on what Jesus said. Nine character qualities of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit is in the singular. And he tells us you cannot manufacture them. You cannot produce them. (laughs) He gives us us none, and then he said, you can't produce it. That's what Jesus also said. Ah, but let me tell you something. I can produce very easily the works of the flesh. Verse 19, the works of the flesh. I can produce these in a split second. I really can. 
I'm very capable of producing the works of the flesh at any time. He actually gives you a partial list here, and as if you to say, you add yours. <laughs> and let's come through them very quickly. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissension, factions. I can add to this. I really can. I bet you can too. And I can produce them all. <laughs> but I could never produce the nine character qualities. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I can't produce these. I can't. Some of you are saying, Michael, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're making it sound impossible. There's hope, because I'm going to tell you what Jesus said. Look at that verse now in John 15, 4. Jesus is basically affirming that you can't manufacture it. You can't produce it. Here's what he said. Remain in me, and I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. <laughs> it's impossible. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. It's the only way I know fruit can be produced in our lives. Beloved, what Jesus is telling us, that this is a two-sided process. Our side and His side. If you want to be fruitful branch, you better stick to Jesus like a crazy glue. And He always, because He binds Himself here in a promise, okay? And I'm telling you, He never, 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 never once went back on His promise. He bound Himself. You can take that to the bank. The problem is with me, and the problem is with you and with us. We don't stick to Jesus. We think we can do it, and then fall flat on our faces. Then I'm sure the next question is, how do I know that I'm abiding in Jesus? Look at those nine character qualities of the fruit of the Spirit again. They are very clear. So the question is, are they obvious to all people around you? There were people look at you and look at me, and they said, oh, he's bearing fruit, she's bearing fruit. They really are. My fruit can only be seen by others. And that's what I mean by authentic. Listen, faking it with others is easy. But when I'm unaccountable and then I fail miserably, I'll get up, repent, turn around, and get back on the road again. On the road again. See, that is not Willie Nelson. That's the Word of God. <laughs> you get back on the road again. When there's accountability, there's no fear. The beauty of accountability is that having people around you and around me helps me in my desire of unconditional obedience and surrender. It helps me to continuously being cleansed of the garbage of sin that is constantly trying to stick to me. 
But having myself being accountable to someone will do even more than that. We can have lots of foliage. Ah, looks good. We can create hyperactivities. We can look like being fruitful and busy, right? It's impossible to be a fruitful Christian without Christ. It's impossible. Listen, you can be an active Christian without Christ. You can raise your family without Christ. You can run your business without Christ. You can even, some people preach and write books and teach without Christ. People see the foliage. People see the hyperactivities. People see this busyness. And people see all of these things, green leaves, and they say, oh, isn't that impressive? (laughs) Ah, listen, we can impress a lot of people, but that's not who matters. There's only one that matters. Because if we're not abiding in Christ, it's all going to count to nothing. It's fruitless. What am I trying to tell you? Listen carefully. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Don't ever, ever, ever forget that there is a cost for obedience. There is a cost for fruitfulness. A lot of people think that they can be Christians on the cheap. A lot of people believe in cheap grace. But you know and I know that there can be no resurrection without the crucifixion. There can be no testimony without a test. There can be no Pentecost without Pentecost. First, the discipline of abiding in Christ. Then the willingness to be pruned so that you become more fruitful, more fruitful, more fruitful. I said obedience is very costly. Listen to me. Anybody who says to you, obedience is easy, chances are that person is not in obedience. (laughs) A very well-known preacher and author was invited to speak to members of an exclusive club in West London. And he stood before these men and women, and he said, ladies and gentlemen, The entrance to the kingdom of heaven costs you nothing. But the annual subscription is everything. David said, God forbid that I give the Lord that which costs me nothing. I was thinking about this, and I thought of this true story. I want to tell it to you as I conclude. Two men... We're leaving their church, not this church. They were leaving their church at the same time. One looked to the other and he said, Well, we've heard it again today. Give willingly, give regularly, give generously, give, give, give. When will all this preaching about giving is going to end? His friend uh, looked at him and he said, Bill, you remember my son Jimmy? The man nodded. He said, when Jimmy was born, came into this world, cost me a tidy sum. The doctors and the hospital. And we had to buy a crib and prepare a nursery. And we spent a lot of money on him as he was growing up. You know, what, 
and medicine and food and clothing. And as Jim grew, so were his expenses. School fees, school activities. His teeth needed braces, and that cost me a tidy sum. And then he went to college. And you can only imagine what the cost was. But you remember, Bill, just weeks before graduation, Jimmy was killed in a car accident. And Bill nodded. And then this man continued. He said, you know, Bill, since we've buried my boy, he cost me nothing. Oh, how I wish that I had him back so I can spend something on him. My beloved church, listen to me. Anything that's alive costs us. Being fruitful costs us. Being obedient costs us. To be fruitful branch of the true vine, there's a cost. For authentic Christian discipleship, there is a cost. To be fruitful, you need spiritual discipline. But more importantly, abiding in obedience to the true vine. And so I end where I began. The tale of two trees, the oleaster tree and the bunion tree. The oleaster tree, look, from the outside, great. But the bunion tree is constantly producing and reproducing itself. Are you an oleaster tree or are you an abiding, obeying, fruitful branch of the tree? Father, we are so grateful to you that you have not left yourself without a witness. We are so grateful for your word and for the preservation of that word all the way to us today that we can be blessed by it. Father, we thank you and we bless your holy name. And I pray for myself and I pray for all of us that as we see the day drawing near, that we would become a fruitful branch of the true vine, that we give up our small ambitions, or we give up small talk, or we give up all the silly stuff. And Father, that we would have a big vision because we have a big God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.